Tonight I want to uh, preach a, a message to you that will, I hope, help you and encourage you uh, from a series of passages in the Bible, the first of which is in Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse 6, and I'm going to entitle my message tonight, The Sunshine of Eternity, The Sunshine of Eternity. I don't know why it is I have, I'm farming in my past uh, a little bit, and then, and then I... Um, think about this for a while. Why, why is farming interest me? I, I, often, I sometimes read books about farming. Uh, a, a farmer, poet, writer, Wendell Berry, I, I have to read all of his books when he writes them. Um, David Klein is a farmer. I love to read David Klein's books. Why in the world? I, I think about that a little bit. Do you, do you realize that we have a place, we'll have a place on the earth throughout all of eternity? Did you realize that? Those of us who know the Lord will have a place on the earth throughout all eternity. We'll live on this earth, of the renewed earth, uh, millions of times longer than the oldest of us ever live on this earth. When the new heavens and the new earth come together, we'll have a place on the earth. On a renewed earth, on an earth without a sin curse, I might spend a few hundred years farming. I don't know. Um, maybe that's why. It's just in my mind and in my heart. So, Danny, I have a memory of you and I on, in, on an October day, late in October, and we took Kyle and Chuck, and we drove them to Indianapolis to a meeting. And uh, we left them there. In the <laughs> a meeting that they really loved. And we left them there in their little ties. Remember that? And then Danny and I, Danny was kind of small, and I was going back to the MARBC meeting, which was in, uh, Can- was in Kalamazoo. And I decided that what I would do is in the harvest. You know, it's beautiful in Indiana in, in the harvest in late October, and I knew that the farmers were hurriedly taking, you know, corn and beans off the field and so forth. And so I said to Danny, remember this? We, drive the, we drove the back roads to uh, Kalamazoo. We drove all back roads so that we could watch the harvest. I remember exactly what you ate on that day. <clears throat> You too. <laughs> Something about <clears throat> watching the harvest. I get all choked up about it. <clears throat> Something about seeing the earth bear fruit <clears throat> and grow things. I mean, hold on, hold on. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Thank you very much. I have leftover water from this morning. Are you going to give me your water? We're two guys, aren't we? Okay, this is going to be informal tonight. Um, and I, uh, so there's something about, about that that appeals to all of us, even if we're not too big into farming. It appeals to us to see the earth bring forth food and good in that. And tonight, um, it's helpful, and I can prove this from the scripture, it's really helpful for us to look at our work, look at our life, and look at our work, and look at our Christian work like kind of like farming or gardening or planting things or growing things. It's a common theme in the Bible, partly because the Bible is agrarian, and it's partly because it's true, and that is that that it helps for us to look at our lives and our Christian experience and our Christian work and our Christian ministry like planting, like growing, like farming, like growing things. Now, to give a a real direct application, have you ever noticed that um, we don't give a lot of announcements in our church? And this was before I came. The guys had this figured out. They did a good job. We have the announcement slides. We have the bulletin, a good bulletin. We spent a lot of time on that. 
The, the details are in there. We have a website, and we don't spend the little precious time that we have just chit-chatting about. But you notice that we had an announcement this morning. Because when Joan Jubaville wants to give an announcement, she gives an announcement. That's just how it works in our, in our church. And everybody in the church office knows that. Somebody said, Joan said, she just wanted to encourage people about VBS. And I said, tell her she can do whatever she wants to do. If it's long, we'll just call it a long, it will be like preaching, but we'll call it a long announcement, you know. But, and why is that? Because, like she said this morning, she's uh, been used of the Lord to enlist 100 people to serve. So let's take this practically. If you're among the 100 people that are serving, this message will really encourage you. Or you're serving, you should be a Christian, should be serving the Lord in some way, should be planting seeds, should be doing good deeds, should be giving the gospel, should be serving in some way. Every Christian should be, and probably almost every Christian does. And so this is meant to encourage you. And, and, the, and the bottom line here, I'll just tell you straight up, because we're all friends, and that is that, that if you look at your life and your work for the Lord like you're sowing seeds and never quit doing that. And here's what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse 1. Cast your bread upon the waters. You will find it after many days. Give a serving to seven and also to eight. For you do not know what evil will be on the earth. The clouds are full of rain. They empty themselves upon the earth. If a tree falls to the south or to the north and the place where the tree falls, it shall lie. He who observes the wind will not sow. He who regards the clouds will not reap. Where he's going with this is you just don't really know when you're sowing seed what the, what the crop is going to be because the seed has life in it. So you just really don't know what's going to happen when you start sowing seeds, when you start good, doing good deeds, when you start giving the gospel, when you start teaching a Sunday school class, when you start ushering in the church, when you start driving a bus, when you start doing VBS, when you come on Monday night and you help people out. You just really don't know. When you go up and you help at Lake Ann, you just really don't know what's going to happen because it's got life in it. It's a seed. That's really encouraging because you can look around and say, well, it doesn't look like what I'm doing really matters. Well, you don't know if it really matters yet. You don't know how much it matters because it's a seed and it has life in it. And so he goes on and says, you do not know. This is in verse 5. You do not know what is the way of the wind or the bones grow or how the bones grow in the womb of who, who, her who is with child. So you do not know the works of God who makes everything. Now here's verse 6. It's the heart of it. In the morning, sow your seed. In the evening, do not withhold your hand. You do not know which will prosper, either this or that, or whether both alike will be good. So the wisdom here in this, wisdom literature of the Bible, is just really good horse sense, and that is go out there and sow your seed, and don't look and see if the wind is blowing, and don't worry if it's going to work or if it's not. Just keep sowing your seed, because you don't know. Seed has life in it. So look at your life like planting, like growing, like farming, like sowing good deeds of the gospel and of good, of, of, and of good works. Maybe you've heard this before. For some of you, it may seem corny, but it's a wonderfully profound sentence in a proverb that's kind of lyrical. You could, like, memorize this or you could write it down, and you would have, in a, in a nutshell, what I'm saying tonight. Have you heard this? Anyone can count how many seeds are in an apple. What's the rest of this? But only God can count the apples in a seed. Anyone can count how many seeds are in the apple. Only God can count the apples in a seed. Only God knows. Only God can calculate the fruit that comes from the good deeds that we do and the gospel that we give. Only the Lord knows that. So there's an amazing potential for good in the simplest act of Christian service, like taking a little group of kids in Sunday school or Awana or VBS and serving, and you just don't know. You just don't know. Now the Somalis are here tonight, and, and, and um, 
you've often told, heard me tell the story about visiting their home and commenting on their beautiful, big, feathery white pines that grow in their front yard. And I love trees, and these are impressive and beautiful trees. And, and, and I mentioned, um, well, those are really beautiful trees. And Mr. Smalley, you know how the story goes, Mr. Smalley chuckled and said, well, um, you know where those came from? I have no idea where your trees came from. And he said that he was um, uh, working years ago up at Lake Ann, helping him dig a septic or doing some work. Am I right here? Am I pretty close? And he saw these seedlings growing and put them in a spackle bucket and put them in spackle buckets and brought them home and in the back of the pickup truck. Okay. And your father was with you. How neat. Okay, so those where those trees came from. Now listen to me. When I get discouraged on a Friday night and I look on Ken Riley's Facebook page, I see the Bolt House Chapel with hundreds of kids worshiping our Jesus. Years ago, somebody worked on this sewer up there. He did not know what was going to happen this week with our kids at Lake Ann back then. You didn't know. You couldn't have seen it. You couldn't have imagined what was going to happen. You couldn't have imagined what would happen on that little margin of the lake, which wasn't even anything back then. And now it's this huge chapel where literally hundreds of kids will just sing as hard as they can. The kids will get saved this week at Lake Ann. Only God can count the apples in his seed. So you might feel discouraged. You might think, well, what I do is little. Does the field you're called to labor seem so small and little known? It is great if God is in it, and he'll not forsake his own. Little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown, and you can win it if you run in Jesus' name. So don't be discouraged. Just keep sowing away. You say, I've prayed for this a hundred times. Pray a hundred more times now. You say, well, I have a child or a grandchild that strayed from the Lord. Well, as long as they're drawing air, you can still pray for their return to the Lord and their flourishing in the Lord. It's amazing the potential of a seed, right? This is true in terms of human reproduction. It's true in terms of spiritual reproduction. I was watching a documentary the other day, a fascinating documentary about our great country, America. Do you realize that a handful of people came over on the Mayflower and many of them died, yet 10% of the current population of America can now trace its roots back to the Mayflower itself. 10% of the population of America today can trace its back, roots back to the Mayflower. That's just the, the, the dynamic of human reproduction, and yet we have spiritual reproduction. Take, like, for instance, in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus is, is talking in Matthew. You know, there's a parable of the four kinds of soil, and some of the sowed seed is sown, and, and it springs up, it seems to grow, but it doesn't. Now there's a hard ground and so forth, but, yet, but some produces a crop in various degrees, right? So sometimes you're going to sow, and nothing's going to happen, but it was good sowing, it's just nothing's going to happen. And other times it's going to seem like something happened, and then your heart's going to be broken because you're going to think, I thought that person was really saved and your heart is just going to be broken. I can't tell you how many times that happens to me. Now, how do you know? You know, when somebody professes to be saved, sometimes somebody's really converted and they don't seem like they were really converted when they got converted in. And yet they really are. And years and years from now. And then somebody else, you know, they'll make all kinds of noise and they'll appear to be converted in it. And, and for all appearances, they're not saved at all. And the Lord is the one who knows that. Our job is just sow the seed. The seed is powerful, has life in it, and trust him to see what will happen. Only God can really calculate the effects 
of our work. Take your Bibles, please, and look to Galatians in chapter 6 and verse 7, and I could give you many passages, and I won't give you many that, that teach the same principle in Scripture. But if you will, lay eyes on Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. It, it actually, it's going to be previous to that, but you'll see what I'm saying. Galatians chapter 6. In, in verse 6, it says, Let him who is taught in the word share in all good things with him who teaches. That's what you guys do often with us pastors who help you share with us. You, you, you help us to feed our families and live in a house. And, and it says, because don't be deceived. God isn't mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. Like, and, and in this case, the sowing is what? It's, it's giving to teachers is what it's talking about. He who sows to the flesh will of the fre- flesh reap corruption, rottenness. So if you take your time, effort, and money, and you invest it in things that are wrong, then you're going you're gonna to have a crop of rottenness. <laughs> but if you invest your things in things that are good, then this is what the scriptures say. He who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. And here it comes, and let us not grow weary while we're doing good. There you go, VBS workers. Let us not grow weary while we're doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we don't lose heart. The key thing here is what? Don't give up. Don't lose heart. Don't think it doesn't count. Don't think it doesn't matter when you witness and you sow a seed because it's a seed. It has life in it. Who knows what's going to happen? You've heard these stories. And, uh, you know, I, I love this one. Um, uh, a guy came here one time. <laughs> Neat guy. Loves the Lord. He was training in a Roman Catholic seminary. Training in a Roman Catholic seminary. This is a pretty hardcore Roman Catholic guy. He's a soccer player. You'll like this, Daniel. He's a soccer player. He goes up to, uh, to play against Maranatha, the crazy independent Baptist guys up there, right? So you'll play against Maranatha. Kyle, Chuck played against, or uh, Daniel played against Maranatha. And I said, how do those Baptist kids behave? And he said, you know, they were really solid guys. They were, they were good guys. They were good testimony. They witnessed. They, they have a good testimony. So that was a neat thing. This guy, so the Roman Catholic Seminary, plays against Maranatha. And the, the soccer players, at the end of the game, they come over to the side of the field where the Roman Catholic seminarians are, and they witness to them. It's just pretty gutsy kind of a thing to do, you know. And they give them the gospel, and they gave them gospel tracts. And then um, most of the guys just threw them away and made fun of them and said, uh, what are they, who do they think they are? I mean, we're Roman Catholic seminarians. What, what right do they have coming over here and telling us this stuff? Well, not this guy. Kevin McGuckin is his name. Uh, Kevin said he took his track back home to his, to his uh, room, and he read it, and he got saved. He's a born-again Christian today, walks with the Lord. Because you just don't know, even a simple little gospel tract or a, a kind word or a seed, because the seed has a life in it. And so you have this powerful seed to, to sow, to do something good, and there's amazing potential in that. There's amazing power in that. So, so don't give up. Don't be weary in well-doing. Don't lose heart. And then it says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let's do good to all, especially those that are of the household of faith. So be good to one another and do kind things to one another. You're doing that. Keep doing that. Keep working in the kitchen. I know it gets tiring. I know that you think, oh my goodness, I can't believe we have another. Or keep, you know, organizing things and helping with people and those funeral dinners and all of that. You know, that, there's this work and there's labor in it and helping in a one and helping with the buses and trying to keep things going. And, and the, it's that you do in your neighborhood but the scriptures here just say don't lose heart and don't stop because we want to consider 
the potential and the power. And of course, you've got the negative here. The primary thing is the positive. You've got the negative. When you sow a seed and it's bad, you don't know how bad it's going to get. You say, that can also multiply. Because it says that here. If you sow the flesh, you have the flesh are going to reap rottenness, corruption. Um, Lewis Broomfield, uh, Bromfield, was, a, was a, an American expatriate, went to World War I and then fell in love with France. So he decided that he would stay in France and he would make a home. He loved the French countryside. He loved the French cuisine. He loved the French people. And he stayed there. I think it was 17 years. He farmed. He got a farm in France. He just loved it. Until the Nazis began to threaten they were going to sweep through France there at the beginning of World War II. And so he sent his family away, sent him back to his native Ohio. And then he eventually had to leave himself. And he, he bought a farm in Ohio. He was a writer and a successful one. And he bought a farm in Ohio. It's now called Malabar. He called it Malabar Farms in Richland County, Ohio. A gorgeous, gorgeous farm in the rolling countryside of Richland County, Ohio. And he, built, he, he built this uh, farm there. And, and, and he, he developed all kinds of sustainable agricultural methods and he wrote books about them and these books sold to GIs coming back from World War II who were getting a tractor from up here made in Dearborn. The tractors made in Dearborn changed the face of America. They made the little Ford 9N tractor with the power takeoff and a, and a man, even if he didn't have six or eight robust sons to work the fields with him, could take that little Ford Ferguson tractor, he could hook up the implements to it, and he could farm enough to make a living. And all across this great land, tractors came out of Dearborn and went around the country and around the world. They're still working. Those are amazing tractors. I don't need one, but I'd love to have one. Broomfield uh, my grandfather read Louis Broomfield. One of the things he said was that was he, he was in Europe. He discovered that you didn't have to tend fence all the time and mend fence. One of the hardest things about farming is mending fence and tending fence and fixing fence. And he said, you don't have to do that. You can grow a natural fence, a thing they called multiflora rose. He said, you can grow this in a, in a row, the multiflora rose, and it will make a natural fence. It was a curse on America. Farmers today will tell you it's one of the worst things that ever happened and <laughs> was introduced in America by Bromfield and his friends. He did a lot of good things, but that was a really bad thing. And you can see it anywhere in the American countryside in the Midwest now. You can see this scourge of multiflora rose just taking over fields because it was a bad idea. And, you know, God forbid, we probably all had a little of that going on. Sowing to the flesh, just doing something. Look out because <laughs> if we sow to the flesh... What's the best way not to sow the flesh or make bad, plant bad seeds? Spend your time planting good seeds. It's like the man, the good man of the good treasure of his heart it brings forth good things. Of the evil man of the evil treasure of his heart, it brings forth evil things. Jesus said to the Pharisees when they accused him of having a demon, he said, you have an evil treasure in your heart. It's a simple way to look at life. It says, are you a person with a good treasure in your heart? You bring forth good things. I was speaking out of town this week and I was really tired because we flew a long way. <laughs> so I'm getting, I get done speaking, and I'm really tired. I'm speaking six times in two days, and so I'm super tired. My voice is really tired. And, I, and there's another guy rooming in the place where I'm staying, nice guy, and, and I'm really, really tired. So I go to bed, and he comes in, and, and he says goodnight to me, and we get into a conversation. I'm lying in bed, and he's just talking to me. And, 
And he was, and he was just asking me questions, asking me questions. He heard me speak. I made him think. He's asking me questions. And two hours, two and a half hours. He just asked me questions, and it was it was fun, you know, because somebody asked you questions. You go, well, here's what I think about that, or here's a, a nugget I haven't shared with you, or here's what the scriptures say. And he would say uh, something about he what he saw in the scriptures. We had the richest fellowship laying there. It's kind of weird. I'm laying there in my bed. He was there like he's tucking me in, you know, talking to me uh, and uh, talking to me in, in two and a half hours. And then I finally he says. I kind of kind of drifted off, and he goes, "Hey, well, you're falling asleep." I'm like, "Sorry," and he goes, "Well, I better I better say I better say good night." And and I and I went to sleep, and I thought, "Wow, that's kind of neat." You know, the Lord put a good treasure in my heart that I could just share good things with this brother, and that he would be edified, he'd be encouraged. That's a goal that I have. I want my heart to be a treasure of good things. So that's why I'm very careful. I try not to let a lot of bad things get in there because, you know, what happens if you have a bad treasure in your heart and the evil treasure? Then the Bible says, if you have a bad treasure in your heart bad things are going to come out of your mouth. Now, the laws of the harvest are interesting. You've heard this in a number of different ways, and I don't even know where I got this. It wasn't original with me. I think I might even have heard the, the first version of this by listening to Charles Stanley many years ago. But let me just pass this on to you. And I thought you've heard versions of it, but it's very helpful. Here are the laws of the harvest, and they're short. It won't take me long to tell you. You don't reap if you don't sow. That's the law, number one. You're not going to have any reaping if you don't do any sowing. That's number one. Number two, you reap what you sow, either, either good or, or evil. You reap what you sow. You, reap, you sow evil, you reap evil. You sow good, you reap good. Law of the harvest. Second, third law of the harvest, you reap more than you sow. Isn't that wonderful? If it's good, right? You reap more than you sow. Just like we ate this wonderful sweet corn yesterday. You, have, you plant about three or four, five seeds in the ground. You have a stock of Sweet corn, and then it has three or four ears on each one, and then they have hundreds and hundreds of kernels of corn, and then you have July 4th. Oh, that's just amazing. How amazing, how good that is. You reap more than you sow. God is able to multiply our seed. Maybe it'll take a while, and that's the next law of the harvest. You know it, and that is you reap in a different season than you sow. You reap after you sow. Isn't that that a good thing to think? You think, well, it's not reaping season yet. It's sowing season right now. I'm just going to obey the Lord. I'm going to do what he asked me to do. We'll see what happens. We'll preach to these kids all over the state of Michigan all summer long. Just preach our little hearts out. Just say, God, please take some of this and, and, and let it grow. Let it matter. Let it grow. You, uh, that's not let it go. No, that's a bad movie. It's let it grow is what I'm saying. You, you're, you missed my wonderful cultural reference to. Bill got that and Ask him afterward. He understands all, but he's got a granddaughter. You don't reap if you don't sow. <laughs> you reap what you sow. You ever notice some parts of my message are better than others? Yeah. You reap uh, more than you sow, and you reap after you sow in a different season. And then the yield. You know, farmers love to talk yield. If you t- hang out with farmers, that's really a big deal to them. They love to talk yield. And, and yield has gone exponentially up as people have genetically modified seeds they're kind of figuring out that wasn't a good idea now, but, but um, they genetically modified the seeds. And now what was like 60 bushels an acre is 110, 120, 140 on a crazy amount of yield now. God is in charge of the yield. We get this back from Matthew. It's like you, you served and you gave and you sowed and you go, well, I only have a little, well, don't worry, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. But the Lord of the harvest is in charge of the yield. You're not. You're in charge of the faithful sowing. You're in charge of the sowing the good things faithfully. He's in charge of what the yield is like. And we won't see it. We don't know it. We really don't. 
John Piper said this, and he, he said, and I read it in his book, The Supremacy of God in Preaching, years ago, and I'm like, wow, that's an amazing quote. So I've never forgotten this. Here's what he said. The true usefulness of your, and he said, it's a book on preaching, so he said preaching. I'm going to just substitute the word ministry because you're doing ministry in VBS or, or you're helping people learn to read or you're helping with the Guiding Hands Pregnancy Center or you're Sunday school teacher or you're trying to serve in some other capacity in a parachurch ministry or whatever. But he said the true usefulness of your, I'll say ministry, the true usefulness of your ministry will not be known to you until each fruit on all the branches, on all the trees that have sprung up from all the seeds that you planted in your life has fully ripened in the sunshine of eternity. I know you heard me say that before. Isn't that just an amazing quote? You will not know what has happened as a result of you going see, sowing seeds until the fruit on all the branches, on all the trees that you planted by all the seeds and your ministry has fully ripened in the sunshine of eternity. So therefore we don't give up. We have had a, we've had a beautiful weekend. It's just been, hasn't it just been a beautiful weekend? And for us, it was a very beautiful weekend. And a lot of the family got to come in, and Dan West got to come home, Chuck Cecilia's come over, and Layla. And so what a, day we, what a day we had yesterday. What a day we've had today. It's been a happy time. Kids, uh, a couple years ago, bought me this corn toss game. And, and so we, I, we turned on some music. Lois made us just delicious food. And, and um, we turned on the music on, and we went out in the backyard, and Today we did it again, and, and, I, and I realized we were having a time that we wouldn't quite have again quite like that ever. As I looked at, you know, you just look and you think, I can't believe all this came from just two kids that met at Bible college. In our living room, we have this fireplace, and over the fireplace, Lois put a little plaque that says, all because two people fell in love. All because two people fell in love. And, and I want to encourage you, as you serve the Lord, there is such power, such potential, such beauty, such potential in just the simplest act of Christian service and missions and giving and working. And you guys do that. And I want to encourage you about that. You never know. You never know. Well, maybe you'll never know. Or maybe someday the Lord will say, I need you to take a walk with me because I want you to meet some people. You didn't know this, but I did. I know their pedigree. I know where they came from. And they came from somebody who came from somebody who came from somebody who was that little irritating kid that wouldn't shut up in Sunday school. He wanted to talk the whole time. Amen. Let's pray and sing and go home and enjoy the rest of this. Oh, and, and let's remember to pray for our kids that are going to Lake Ann in the morning at 5 o'clock. A bunch of them are headed for Lake Ann in the morning at at five o'clock. So let's, let's pray. And then Dale, I think you have a closing song? And then Dale's going to lead us in a closing song. All right? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have given us the potential to, to literally do life-changing, world-changing things by, by sowing seeds of good deeds and ministry and giving of the gospel and kindness and listening and service and help us to be encouraged in this. I pray for the young men and women that head to Lake Ann and the ones that are working there and all the leaders and the other camp, the camp I'm speaking at this week and all that, I pray, Lord, that you would use that in a powerful way to see young people really have their hearts touched and stirred for God, that they would, lo they would find you as lovely as we have found you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand up while Dale leads us in.